Welcome to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Our host, Oscar and Dermo, will together with guests share proven, tested strategies for improving your life and business. At the end of each episode, you will learn how you can use technology to implement those strategies into your daily life. We want to help you bridge the gap from inspiration to implementation. This episode is for you if you want to live your life 200%. That is 100% fulfillment and 100% external success. I'm interviewing Hal, who is the founder of iPhone Life. He's an entrepreneur and he is what he calls a meditating entrepreneur. And that's something I like. I wish there were more meditating entrepreneurs because I believe those are the ones that will save the world and our future. So Hal has a very interesting story. He moved from Palo Alto the heart of Silicon Valley to the countryside and um, yeah I'll let him tell the story himself but it's quite an interesting story and uh, we talk about entrepreneurship we talk about meditation we talk about uh, success all these topics that I think are interesting and I hope you will find interesting as well so here we go me and Hal so Hal welcome to the show well great to be here thanks for inviting me yeah, I want to start uh, going back to 1984, where you're living in Palo Alto, the heart of Silicon Valley, and you decide suddenly to move to Fairfield. What? Uh, right. What, what is the story behind that? Because you had a great job and living in a, I mean, the heart of Silicon Valley, really. Palo Alto. Is a yeah, I was working town. as a software engineer hmm? for Hewlett Packard, and. Um, um, uh, people thought I was absolutely crazy when I told them that I would be leaving this really good job. HP at the time was like the like the Apple of today or Google. Mm. It was the premier company to work for. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I I left because to be part of a world peace project, um, having to do with the transcendental meditation program, where I would be meditating with. Um, um, it turned out several thousand others um, in these two huge domes in Fairfield, Iowa, um, for our personal development and uh, to create a, 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 an influence on the world. Mm. And so I actually at the same time, I was just um, I had just gotten engaged with my wife. And for our honeymoon, we drove from uh, Palo Alto, California, you know, which is not only the heart of Silicon Valley, but near the ocean, near San Francisco, near Yosemite. Yeah, I've been there. It's a beautiful place, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 We moved to Iowa, which is, I, <laughs> long, I love Iowa. Long, cold winters. I don't winters. bad about it, but we're five hours, five hours from any Midwestern city. It's they a lot of pigs and corn and, and, <laughs> and, and soybeans where I live. So yeah. it was quite a switch. <laughs> so from Silicon Valley to... The rural uh, Iowa, yeah, interesting. Yeah, they actually call it they call it Silicon Valley here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this meditation in the do- dome, what what was uh, that like? So oh, basically, it's... thousands of people that were into trans TM went to Fairfield to 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 meditate together. Right, right. Um, it, it's and it, it's. it's what it was like then it's still like that now it's um it's just uh it's you go very it's already when you meditate on your own um it, you go very deep and very quiet it's a very simple natural process uh transcendental meditation but then with a whole bunch of people 
um, it, 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 it have a deepening effect both on your own experience and then based on actually some research, um, it affects the environment around it. Mm-hmm. And so, so mm-hmm. if, you, if you think of the human mind being uh, universal at some level, that we're all connected, mm-hmm. it's like we're all dipping by a group of people, several thousand people dipping into the transcendent every day, it actually has an effect on the entire world, the entire planet. Mm-hmm. So, so what did the people in Fairfield say when suddenly people from all over the U.S. start showing up? Wanted to it's make- not only all over the U.S., it was actually all over the world they started showing up. Yeah. <laughs> so what did the people there say? It was quite a culture Yeah, it was quite a culture shock for, shock for both sides. Yeah, I can you know, imagine. For us moving here and... And I mean, there was some funny, a lot of funny things. And there was actually, right now, it's wonder, it's really, um, uh, it's really worked out nicely. But there were some years of, uh, you know, a lot of sort of misunderstandings and mistrust. Yeah. And uh, in fact, one of the, uh, I know we we'll probably talk about this book I'm writing about. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. About the whole process. But one of the stories I write about is the is a meditating mayor. Who who's still mayor? He's been eight, mayor for 18 years, and he's sort of pulled together the town in a beautiful way. Okay. What he did was he got all the different factions of the town together and said, "What do we want?" and created a 10-year plan. Oh, and nice. basically, and basically, he he would he talked to all the churches and the and the different organizations and the meditators and and and. And then got an outside consultant who came down from uh, the, the University of Northern Iowa, I think it was, and um, they create. They spent four months, fourteen months, creating the plan of the ten-year plan. And um, by the really middle of the plan, it was just it was beautiful how bringing in a new element really solved the whole problem because he would they would find objectives that you know different. Uh, let's say a church group or a, a Knights of Columbus group wanted, and then they would take that part of the plan, and a meditator group would take another part of the plan, and um, uh, and so it really worked out beautifully. And okay. so it's a it's a I invite anybody to come to Fairfield if you want a shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's so actually Oprah Winfrey Oprah Winfrey came here, and she said it was the most un, and created a TV show about it and called it the most unusual. Uh, town in America. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it's not really the area where I would associate, uh, you know, a little bit these things with, you know. It's more, you know, like countryside, right. <laughs> Midwest. Uh, uh, yeah, so not this kind of uh, hippie thinking or, <laughs> or what shall we call it, you know. So, right. Well, the beautiful part is that it's, it's, it's a real nice integration between sort of, you know, the farming down to earth, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, just nuts and bolts um, community with 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 the dreamers that a lot of us were, uh, and and yeah. and actually one of the things we'll probably be talking about is the businesses that got set up here, and it was really good to have both of those. I mean, it, the people the the people that were originally here in Fairfield found some of us who had all these wonderful idealistic. I, notions, um, but they helped us implement it. So, mm-hmm. 
really the partnership. If you want to generalize, there's always exceptions on both sides. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, how, how big was the city at the time? Like, how many people lived in Fairfield? It, it stayed around. It's around ten thousand people. Okay. Uh, and about two thousand, about a fourth of a fourth, I would say, are meditators. Fifth uh, to fourth. Uh huh. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so and, and while most yeah. most Iowa cities have have sort of shrunk we've we've stayed strong and grown and and um have become um you know very strong economically and culturally and mm. uh ecologically we have a we have another the mayor put in another 10-year sustainability plan where we would become uh as independent of the grid and all that as possible oh, and nice. so that's been that's mm. been um another unusual thing about this town Okay, yeah. I, I seems like I have to pass by one day, huh? Oh, you'd be welcome. I've got a nice house and it's, it's the nice thing about living here is everything is so inexpensive. Yeah. I've got, I've got uh, 30 acres of, of, of nice, I, I hear you like to walk on the beach and yeah. walk in the nature so we can take a walk, so uh, you're more than welcome to come. So, so next episode, we, we, go walking, uh, we go walking in uh, Fairfield on the next episode. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, because uh, Palo Alto, the real estate is uh, very expensive nowadays. I stayed in the Airbnb there and it was uh, quite expensive. <laughs> so, yeah, space is, right. is a little bit different. Okay, so let's move on to business yeah, we, then. We, we, we like to joke it's like the third, third world here. Yeah. You know, yeah. In terms of prices and costs and yeah. so on. <laughs> so uh, you, you, mo you left a high-paying job. So, how did you start? Right. Uh, how did you support your family uh, after the move? Well, when I when I first got here, I didn't really know what I was going to do, and um, um, we had about both of us had good jobs that we gave up, and so we had about ten fifteen thousand dollars of savings, and um, finally, uh, so when I left Hewlett Packard, this was the time when they first introduced the HP LaserJet printer. It was 70 pounds. <laughs> and wow. they also had just introduced the HP 110 portable laptop. And it was the first um, what we called PC compatible uh, com uh, laptop that was available at the time. Mm -hmm. And so when I got, I set up my home office and I was one of the very few people that had such equipment. I mean, today we take it for granted. Mm. Yeah, but I but I was very disappointed and surprised at HP when I found the two didn't communicate very well. I couldn't create any of the fonts or any of the uh, uh, nice graphics of the LaserJet from my from my portable. And so I decided to write some software to to um, connect the two, which I called Printer Talk. Mm. But I soon realized I wasn't going to make my fortune selling Printer Talk because not too many people would have these two this crazy combination <laughs> okay and so i actually ended up i ended up starting i ended up much to my i didn't really enjoy it but i started selling computers yeah. for uh, a computer company in neighboring atumwa iowa which was about 20 miles away okay and um and my wife saw i wasn't happy and i wasn't very happy and i mean it was okay but it's not really what i wanted to do and not why i wanted to move to fairfield mm -hmm. and I had this intention of creating my own business, and um, I thought, now how am I going to market Printer Talk? How am I possibly going to get people to buy this product? 
And then I realized, well, why not something more universal, like a newsletter? Mm. And so I thought of the idea of writing a newsletter for HP portable users. And um, that's really how, that was the origin of the company. Mm. And um, I didn't know anything about publishing or marketing or business. I had a nice education, but nothing in those areas. Mm. And, uh, but I, I set a very clear and I just became very clear inside that I was going to produce this newsletter. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you want me to go on and the, the original launch story or... Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe your, your, wife right. was, your wife was also supporting you. Like, she, she, didn't she pray that you would start oh. your own business or something like this? I read somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So she had this... Um, she's a very deep spiritual woman. Mm. And um, she ha and very clear, and she just had this r intention that I find the business, I find a business. And one day I just burst out of my office and started, and we're going to do a newsletter. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the problem was, how would we remember? This is pre-internet; it was mm. even pre-fax. Yeah. Um, and so, how would we reach our our and customers? Yeah. Well, fortunately, I had a relationship with HP. They liked me, and they let me use um, the 2,000 people that had sent in registration cards as a mailing list. Ah, okay. And, yeah. and so what I did was, I didn't know, again, I didn't know anything about marketing or anything, but at the time, we would get, you know how you get lots of emails now trying to get you to buy stuff or, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so on? Well, it, back in the 80s, that was direct mail, just a mm -hmm lot of home mail that would get into your mailbox and people would try to sell you stuff. Yeah. And so I studied all the, the direct mail pieces that I could possibly come across mm. and found the ones that appealed to me because I realized my customer, a professional, it was male about my age, you know, in the mid thirties yeah. um, and um, uh, uh, had some, had some, uh, were, was professional. And so I, you had clarity on if, if it appealed to me, it yeah. would appeal probably to a big audience. Yeah. And so after two months of piling every piece of junk mail I could possibly get, I created some mail pieces out of it. I just, you know, thought, thought, found the best of it. And also I included a couple pages of tips tricks. Mm. And I mailed out to the 2,000 people. Mm. And I, I didn't realize it that you know, like a 1% or 2% would be good. I mean, if I'd ever done the numbers or if I'd ever planned or anything, wouldn't, yeah. I don't think I ever would have moved forward. Yeah. But I, I got a 20% res response in two, in two mailings, oh, wow. 20%. So, That's really good for direct response. So that, yeah. That was, yeah, and so that was enough. That I started the company, and I bootstrapped the company uh, moving forward with all sorts of amazing things that happened, which, you know, I don't know how much you want to go into. But, yeah. Uh, so, so that just a very fast, very yeah. fast forward today. You, you people can go to iPhoneLife.com and um, find our magazine, iPhone iPhone Life magazine. Mm. Uh, I'm now I retired in 2011 and gave the business over to my employees, but I'm still a partner and uh, the mag the business still exists. Yeah, yeah. I think I bought iPhone Life in Dubai actually, so that's how I got into it. So yeah, right. You, yeah. Yeah, you could buy it on the international newsstands. Yeah, yeah. 
so, so yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of lessons there, I think. And uh, yes, from from uh, the iPhone uh, when they 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 launched the iPhone until you published iPhone Live, like how long how long time was that? When did you see the opportunity, basically? Because iPhone okay, was completely well, it was new. Okay, well, sort of a You'll like this story. This is a really interesting story. So it was more necessity rather than see the opportunity. So yeah. I, ha I had, for years, I had a, a magazine about these portables. And then in the 90s, about the HP Palm Tops. Mm. And then in the 2000s, about Microsoft Pocket PCs and Windows Mobile Machines. Mm. And what happened, what happened in 2008 was, uh, you know, the economy not only crashed, but uh, the Microsoft smartphones, nobody was stopped buying pocket PCs and, mm. and, and um, smartphones because of the iPhone. Mm. The iPhone was introduced in 2007 and made it huge and just took away our, our business. And so between the crash and the, and the iPhone, our Microsoft-based uh, magazine, um, we, we, ha we literally had almost no newsstand sales and no most new subscriptions. There was a mm -hmm. period about the middle of 2008. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was about ready to have to fold the company. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, I laid everybody off. And uh, but I had this idea. And so the, I, I had an editor that had been with me for 20 years. And a, um, a uh, another woman who was one of these people who just everybody liked to call. She was doing customer service, and so people would call her mm. whether they had a problem or not because they liked to talk to her. So I decided <laughs> she would be a good salesperson. Okay. And so um, they actually they actually went on unemployment insurance, and I didn't. You know, I stopped. And the three of us created the first issue of iPhone Life, mm. and we sent it to. And we had a big newsstand distribution, and we from the Microsoft time and we had a big um, subscription base and so we just didn't tell anybody but we just created the first issue of iPhone life and said it sent it to our subscribers and to the newsstands mm -hmm. and um, and uh, we, we and we obviously we gave people the opportunity to cancel their subscription if they wanted and instead of having a 20 percent average sell-through on the newsstands we had a 43 percent sell through uh -huh. the newsstands. <laughs> and so and so the business sort of picked up out of out of just ready to be non-existent yeah. um, and uh, came alive again. So that's so interesting. I mean, the trends are so fast in the tech space. So it's a big threat. But if you can jump on it as well and act fast, then you can use it to your advantage, you know? Right. So the successful entrepreneur, I understand, is a course you've been running. So so there's a, the university here is called Maharishi University of Management. Mm. And it's basically a fully accredited, um, you know, college, graduate school, PhD. Um, and actually we start with uh, preschool. All the, we have schools all the way up. And everybody there from the janitor to the, um, to the professor, to the student, everybody meditates. Um, there's a, the, the uh, cafeteria is organic food. And um, uh, anyway, so I, when I retired in 2011, from the magazine business, I went. I knew the, I knew the, the people in charge of the business school, and I said, "Listen, we've got all these wonderful, wonderful entrepreneurs in town that would like to give back to the university, tell their story. We've got these students that would like to learn, and so why don't I just teach a course in which um, I tell my story, like some of the things that I just told you, 
And then I invite all these entrepreneurs every day, have a new entrepreneur telling how they created in this middle of nowhere, in the middle of Iowa, in the 1980s, most of them created their businesses from starting from nothing, from starting just from a simple idea. And they said, great, do it. And so I've been teaching this course since 2012, once a year. And the way they teach at the university is instead of taking five courses at once or whatever, you only take one course at a time so that you can just focus all your attention on it. And so it's a month-long course. And, you know, we have classes in the morning and afternoon. And, and, um, and then, again, all the students meditate. And, um, and so I, every, I had entrepreneurs coming to my class. And I videotaped all of them, so I've got about 60 or 70 videos, mm. 60 or 70 videos of different entrepreneurs and talked about their businesses. Mm. And we have just so many of the range of businesses, you know, here, everywhere from, um, like, the, the guy who's going to do the cover for a book that I'm writing, uh, he was an artist, now he's, he charges uh, a huge amount of money to, for uh, his covers that he designs. He's a mm. leading U.S. book cover designer. Another mm. guy um, loved the idea of the Renaissance idea of a community of artists. He was an artist, and he ended up creating a company that bought, buys and sells stained glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we have the leading... Uh, I'm just giving you a few of these businesses. Yeah, yeah. We have the leading uh, solar energy company in Iowa. And um, the guy who founded it was a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And he actually, after being a Navy SEAL, which is, you know, the U.S. Special Forces yeah, yeah. thing, he decided that he wasn't going to make peace but by holding a gun. And so he ended up learning to meditate, moved to Fairfield, and created this solar energy company so that he could create free energy so that people wouldn't be fighting over resources. Oh, that's great. And there's another, there's another guy who's an organic dairy farmer. And basically, he's a scientist, and he actually ran for political office, too, for Secretary of Agriculture. And so he uses his whole, uh, his set of, his 760-acre farm as an experiment um, Mm. in terms of of mimicking nature and seeing how how sustainable and how um, um, healthy he could create this, this, um, his farm. And so I, I, there's story after story after story. People created publicly traded companies. People traded uh, uh, a, a, a woman. Actually, it's fairly well known, Janet Atwood. She's got a, something called the Passion Test, where people really find their you find their life purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I ha- there's just story after story after story. And so I decided to write a book about it. And that's the meditating. Unto, what was the call, name of the book again? Yeah, it's called the Meditating Entrepreneurs. Yeah, and um, uh, and anybody is welcome. The simple, if you if you anybody wants to visit my the website, if you just type in my first name Hal H A L dot tips, that'll forward to the website, which is meditatingentrepreneur.com. Mm. And uh, and uh, uh, you know, if you email me, I'll be happy to send. You'll you'll see on the I just post the blog of the introduction the. The leading blog up there's the introduction to the book, and if anybody wants more information or wants to beta read any of the chapters, just email me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, uh, meditation. Uh, so, yeah, t- if you can tell the listeners a little bit uh, about TM, transcendental meditation. What, what sure. is the background? And, yeah. Okay, so, so first of all, it's it started by um, this. Um, in, in, 
um, monk named Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And he became famous because the Beatles um, uh, learned to meditate and were at his ashram in India. Mm. And um, his idea was, and to me, he's the ultimate entrepreneur, because his idea was to uh, create world peace through this meditation. And he did it by selling uh, the technique for how to do nothing to the West. <laughs> <laughs> and the West is, is all about doing everything. Yeah. And so he, and, and so, in fact, he, the reason why he wanted to uh, teach TM to the West was because in India, he felt there was tremendous misunderstanding. And, he, and all the most leading, most uh, progressive Indians uh, would look to the West. Mm. And so if TM became popular in the West, then uh, India would readopt the, the, the their their tradition, mm. and so uh, and so he uh, started. Uh, he realized he couldn't do it all himself. He started training teachers of TM, and it's in a very scientific, systematic method of teaching and practice. So it's not like um, um, I'll just differentiate it. Uh, mm. I'm not an expert in other forms of meditation, but <clears throat> TM is very unique. Mm. In that it's it's simple, it's natural, it's effortless, and it's it's uh, most other meditations can be put into two categories: either concentration or contemplation. Mm-hmm. And concentration would be trying to empty your mind or trying to keeping you focused on your breathing or some kind of focus of the mind. Mm. And contemplation is thinking of some profound thought or deep thought or, or mm. using some thought to, to go deeper. But TM is, most people think of meditation as one or the other of those things, but TM is something completely different. And that is, it, it's just based on the natural tendency of the mind to seek fields of greater happiness. Mm. And so right now, normally, in the, norm, most of us spend our life looking out into the world for happiness. Mm. Um, but there's the problem with that is that everything in the world always changes. And so there's nothing that's permanently satisfied. And even if we, when we get what we want, then we want something else. Mm. And so um, what Marshi did is, does, uh, t- our teacher of TM does, is just shows how you turn the mind 180 degrees so it just goes inward. And um, we use a, a, a word called the mantra, the sound called the mantra. And by using the mantra as instructed in a very, very, the most simple possible way, we, the, we use the mantra to, as, a, as a vehicle to take the mind to fields of greater and greater happiness. Because deep within, the experience is that that's where the greatest happiness is, is, is deep, deep, deep within. Mm-hmm. And so since the mind wants to go towards happiness anyways, the, um, and any effort to the mind away from happiness... This is a very effortless process that allows the mind to quiet down, quiet down, quiet down, transcend. And because it's so natural, like a 10-year-old can learn, and mm-hmm. it's very simple. The, the, you, you need to go to, to be trained because it's mm-hmm. a, uh, to a proper teacher mm-hmm. of, of the transcendental. If you go to tm.org, uh, you'll find wherever you are in the world the proper teacher. But mm-hmm. It's a very simple process. It's just a very delicate process, mm. but it's very simple. It couldn't be any simpler because it's the process. It's the it's the um, experience of just being, mm. being yourself 
in the true sense of the word. Something that is probably um, need, needed even more in the days of interruptions and technology and constant uh, changing your focus, you know? Yes, yeah. And I, and, I, and the nice thing about it is it's people who say, oh, my mind's too active, I can't do this, or I don't have the discipline and all that, they find that this just works mm. because it just... It's, it's so simple and you just get a routine of 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes in the morning and evening and you just do it. I'm 45 years without, you know, I, I haven't missed a meditation, yes. you know, I just, I just do it. And so you do and, it two, um, two times it, a day really or? A huge yeah, twice a day. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like, um, you know, one of the, I mean, I've really enjoyed listening to some of your podcasts and your approach to things and yeah. um, the practical actually doing it and implementing mm. whatever is being taught yeah and that's the, the nice thing with this is that once you get started once you get the proper starting which is it's just uh it's two introductory three introductory lectures and then four four classes after that and then some follow-up mm. um once you get the right start it just goes on automatic you don't even think of it and that's mm. why there's a lot of like business people like uh, i know i just finished ray dalio's book on the principles and he talks about uh, how important TM mm. has been to him, and you know a lot of movie stars, Jerry Steinfeld, Seinfeld, and uh, the Beatles, and yeah. and uh, David Lynch. The, there are a lot of people, you know, famous people, that do the practice, and yeah. it's just because it's it's just so simple. Yeah, I believe in uh, Tim Ferriss' podcast. He has a lot of guests. He said I think seventy percent of them had some kind of meditation practice, not necessarily TM, but some kind of some yeah. kind of meditation practice. You know. So yeah. Right, right, and and actually, Tim does. Tim, Tim does do TM. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the successful successful entrepreneur. You said live life two hundred percent, hundred percent inner fulfillment, hundred percent outer abundance. That's something that spoke to me. Right, I, I really enjoy. Yeah. So you need both the inner fulfillment. Yeah, it's not and the that. Other. One of the things that part. Of, yeah, part of the uniqueness is of of Marishi's teaching and and why what he wanted to tell India as well as the West, is that it's not that there's there's really two kinds of life. There's householder life, uh, people in the world, and there's people who are monks. Mm -hmm. And for the vast majority of the world, who are in the world, the most natural thing in the world is to live, and there's nothing wrong with living in abundance. Mm -hmm. There's an infinite source of abundance inside. Mm -hmm. It's not like if I have something, you don't. Yeah. It's not like a... Yeah. Like there's an infinite source of it's just a matter of human creativity to create something out of nothing. Yeah. And so, so he said, live an abundant life, but live it, but but don't look to the outside to be happy. First, get happy from the inside, and then enjoy the life on the outside. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. How has it helped you as an entrepreneur uh, with your uh, TM practice? So. Um, it helped me a lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I was very, and still am, I guess, very type A, you know, very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And um, um, my, my father and all his brothers, they all died in their 50s of heart attacks. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, the, and so my nature was to, to push, push, push. And so this really, really, really helped me um, by going inward twice a day. Just, just stop. Just, just the act of just stopping mm. and just taking a break. Mm. 
not over identifying with the business because when you're an entrepreneur, um, you just, you just, <laughs> it's like a, especially a newborn, especially at the beginning, but all the way through it, it's all consuming, especially if you let it, um, it's, 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 you, you become, your identity becomes a tie to it. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so if something happened to the business, you know, when the Microsoft stuff happened in, in Apple and the, 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 the uh, market went down, mm-hmm. then I could easily have just totally just, it, it's like me personally dying mm-hmm. or, or, or really going. Mm-hmm. And so what TM has done is not only in the day-to-day stress, but it's sort of like a witnessing quality. Just seeing it all, like I used to love playing, um, you know, Monopoly or poker or all, mm-hmm. all sorts of games. And, and it's like you realize you're playing a game, mm. you know, when you're running the business. It's not that you don't give it your all, but, but at the same time, there's a, it's just a game. It's not, it's not who I am. It's not, there's, it's not, I'm, the world won't come to the end if the business dies or if I don't get the sale or whatever. Mm. And, 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 you know, it's much easier to, when you, if you're, if you already have uh, a lot of money, then it's easier to get more money because you're not. Unless you're really, you know, wired in a in a very difficult way, it's not. It's easy because you're relaxed about it. A little bit of wins and losses don't make. Mm. And so, when you're established in beingness from TM, then whatever things happen in the world, in the relative world, it's no big deal. Yeah, they have the hundred percent inner fulfillment anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fulfillment comes first, and then. You can the, the you can enjoy all the all the goodies. Mm-mm, yeah, when you had your company, how did you do it practically? Did you have like a, a time every day where every also the employees like, hey guys, let's shut down the office and let's sit and meditate for fifteen minutes? Well, no. What I what I did, um, I allowed for the different because there's some people that uh, like there were some non meditators. People that went to the dome, so I I had a very flexible kind of schedule where people could come and go mm-hmm. according to the uh, to do in terms of their uh, time. And so, but the point was that I, everybody knew it was a meditating business, and that I encouraged that, and that it was uh, really part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to be here. And stay here was be part of this world peace project, mm. and then by employing other people, they could be part of the world peace project and be meditating. Yeah. So, so the dome is still there and active, and people come there every day and pray. Oh and yeah. Meditate. Okay. Yeah. Everybody. So, all the students and faculty and people from the town. Um, you know, sometimes we met like, not able to go to the dome very often, but. Um, that'll that will change, and then I'll be going back. But so people either go to the dome or, or meditate at home or so on. But there are these two huge domes uh, on campus mm-hmm. where people go, and it's like rush hour here in Fairfield <laughs> when it's dome time. You know, dome time. Kind of it because they're pretty strict about closing the doors. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then is just people sit and meditate in silence by themselves, or is there someone talking, or how does it work? Oh no no! It's all it's TM is a, is a, is a uh, introverted subjective. You just quiet. You just close your eyes and just start meditating. Mm. That's it. Yeah. And everybody's doing that together. 
So you just sit together quietly in the room, but doing it together makes it even more powerful. Right. Feeding off each other's energies. Right. Right. And I, I believe that, um, I mean, the change in, since when, when I started to meditate, everybody thought it was crazy. And, you know, it was just so, um, it was just kind of mystical and weird. Yeah. And now it's just, everybody it's just commonly accepted the you know the idea of meditation and yeah. uh, whether it's tm or some other form and yeah. i truly believe um you know the idea of exponential technologies yeah yeah um, it's doubling and yeah yeah like ai and and mm. um uh, sensors and robotics and and mm. the thing with an expon exponential curve is that at the very beginning you don't even know Mm. And then all of a swoop, it goes up, then changes are would be, will be happening dramatically. And that's what's mm. happening now in the changes in the external world that we're going to see in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Well, I believe that same exponential change is happening in the world of consciousness. It's just hidden and you don't see it. But mm. more and more and more people are experiencing their own true nature, the silence, the the still. The quietness, the bliss yeah, that's yeah. deep within, and um, what they do TM or other forms of meditation, or just spontaneously experience it because it's human nature. To, it's to have that experience. It's just been forgotten for so many years, and I yeah. think our influence of all these years meditating for so many years has really had that effect. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and so, just like the on the external world, the exponential exponential technologies are really going to change things. Um, there's going to be the consciousness that's going to be able to support it. I'm actually, even despite what you see in everyday politics and in the U.S. particularly, mm -hmm. I'm actually very, very optimistic. Oh, about that's great. It's nice to hear when people are even optimistic. Even in terms of the climate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. I, I feel like there's just going to be profound changes over the next 10, 20, 30 years. That sounds great. No, it seems like people are waking up to these kind of things all over the world. Uh, I personally work with something called mental training, which is a Swedish version, and it starts with guided meditations, but eventually you do it by yourself as well. And uh, I mean, I, I think it's needed for everyone, and the more people that do it, I think the better the world there is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's like right now we're in the winter, and if you spent your whole life in the winter, and somebody mm. told you about spring, they'd think you were crazy. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean. <laughs> It's just green stuff and buds and birds chirping and, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's all nothing and blank and white. And yeah. uh, I think that's the state where I think we're, 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 we're making the switch, whether it's the, the training you're talking about and, or the TM and, and so many other things that are going on. Um, there's a transformation that's happening uh, and it's profound. And, you know, if we're lucky, there won't be some too much disruption as we change from one sort of state to a new state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good time to end the show because we leave it sure. on a positive note. Uh, people are waking up and the more meditators we have, the more meditating entrepreneurs we have, I think the world will be better, don't you think? Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much. So, thank uh, you. There you go, interesting stories from Hal and uh, I hope I can come and visit him in Fairfield someday. And uh, Yeah, that would be really interesting to see this dome that he was talking about and how everyone comes there and meditates together. And also, uh, I hope uh, you 
get interested in these topics and read his book, The Meditating Entrepreneur, that is on the way. You'll find the link uh, to uh, his website about this on the blog post for this on strategictechcoaching.com. Uh, also, to implement something from this episode, you need to start some kind of meditation practice. Uh, be it TM or mental training or any other form, meditating should be part of everyone, uh, daily, everyone's daily life. Uh, yeah, Hal gave some recommendations on TM, so uh, that's uh, one option. I can help you with mental training. Uh, if you want more information about this, just email me, Oscar, Oscar with K, at strategictechcoaching.com, and I can give you some resources about mental training. Uh, I had uh, the founder of mental training on uh, episode 1 and 15, so if you want to learn more about that particular form of meditation, you can listen to those ones. And also, uh, uh, the easiest way is actually just to download an app and I recommend there's many meditation apps I recommend one that called Oak O-A-K and that one is completely free so you have some simple guided meditations like mindfulness meditations on that one so that's just uh, one way to get started but yeah also uh, I recommend you to get into TM I heard very I, I haven't done so much TM myself but I heard many many positive uh, positive things from about TM from other uh, from friends in my network so and mental training, of course, is something I'm very passionate about. So, But, yeah, this should be part of your daily routine to do a daily meditation. And, as always, subscribe to the show and uh, maybe post a good review on the iTunes. And also share the podcast to your friends and network that you think are interested in these topics. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast with your host, Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.